Hey everyone, welcome to On The Line. My name is Addison and I'm a 15-year-old aspiring sports broadcaster. On The Line is a sports podcast that highlights the stories of high school and college athletes so you can get a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to be the best. Hey everyone, welcome back to season two of On the Line. My name is Addison and you are listening to the second episode in the two-part series with ESPN injury analyst Stefania Bell. Go check out the first episode now if you haven't already. This will make the second part make more sense. But thank you so much for being here and I hope you enjoy. Well, I'm super curious what happens between the moment you find out about like a big injury that's happened in the sports world to the moment where you're on live TV and sharing it with the world? It depends what the time frame is, but usually um, people will notice I'm not on like the moment it happens, which mm-hmm. is my preference because um, in the moment where something happens, there's a lot of speculation, right? The broadcasters are sometimes speculating about what's happened. I think they try not to as much as possible because nobody wants to say, oh, that was a terrible injury only to find out later, well, that wasn't so bad or to dismiss something and then come to find out later it was something far more serious. Um, And the, the problem with what we see on video is it doesn't tell the whole story. There's a reason that the athletic trainers and the team physicians or physical therapists, anyone who's involved in the care of those players, they, they may or may not see what's happened on the field or on the court or whatever the playing surface is uh, because of what they're doing. They may not have a good um, vantage point to see it visually, but they have to do an examination. Sometimes it's right on the court or on the field then they have to bring the player back and they're talking to the player. They're getting information from that player about what happened. And then they're doing additional evaluation in the locker room, potentially maybe some imaging studies. Uh, And sometimes they have to even wait till another day or two to then get follow-up imaging or anything more. So the reason that matters is because all of those things inform the diagnosis and then the plan of care for that athlete. So uh, I try to avoid saying too much about those things before we have some reporting back. You know, sometimes they know right away. They see something on x-ray, this is broken, and then we can talk about it because we get that information. And I try to present my outlook based on what information is available, knowing that sometimes that information is not fully complete. You know, it's not complete. Um, Hopefully it's accurate, but not always 100%. So you have to kind of give um, uh, the context of whatever information you have and then present it. But for me, I always, you know, once I know what the diagnosis is or the suspected diagnosis, and then I look at the athlete, what, what is the demands of his or her sport? Um, maybe if that athlete has an injury history, So, you know, coming in, is this something that's been a problem that's recurred over time? Uh, Because that prognosis isn't going to be as good as if maybe it was the first time with something. Um, You know, where are they in the season? Because the seasonal calendar, as we call it, can impact 
how decisions are made in professional sports. You know, somebody who is approaching the end of a season, it might be better to just shut things down and then allow them to rehab. Somebody who gets hurt in the very first week, there's a lot more latitude in terms of, is it something they potentially could come back from or, you know, are they going to wait and see? So there's all of those things that go into it. And then I try to get my uh, mind around, you know, 30 seconds where it's not very much 30, 45 seconds worth of information that kind of encapsulates all of that. Fans want to know when is my athlete coming back? That's what they want to know. But it's important for people to remember that we don't, you know, the injuries in medicine are variable for each one of them. You know, it's not a cookie cutter routine. It's not like, oh, you have this, it takes this long. We can do comparisons and look at on average what it takes, but you always have to build into that. There are unique characteristics for everyone. And so um, no, no timeline is hard and fast from the beginning. I just have to say, it is so amazing how fast us sports fans, um, viewers, people are ju- who just follow along with sports, I find it so amazing how fast we can get this information, you know, and I think it's super impressive. And I think like, how is this even possible? So I love mm-hmm. kind of hearing the behind the scenes, what goes on to make everything possible and to make it so that we can get information so fast and kind of get that idea, like, when are they coming back? Because I need them for my fantasy roster or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's true. And, but, you know, I would just say for everyone who might be listening that that's why you have to be cautious with um, to look at the source of, yes. of who's telling you what, because if it's somebody who's speculating on it based on what they saw um, and depending on their background, they may have a good idea of what's gone on. But until you're really getting some solid reporting and then you have to look at like who's delivering that reporting, because sometimes people will color it a little bit more positive or a little bit more negative depending on who's providing the reporting. But we have some excellent beat writers who are there covering teams who are talking to the managers or the GMs or the coaches who, but you know, they're also in in medical information sometimes by the time it gets released to the public has gone through somebody in the medical group talking with the player and his family or the player and his agent. And then, that usually the agent or someone there's then talking to, you know, the, and, and the medical people are communicating with the medical staff of the team. And then they're communicating with the GMs and the manager. So by the time it makes it out to the public, I always say it's like the game of telephone. I don't know if anybody still yes. plays that, but it's like, you know, they said it one way, this person repeats it to the best of their ability, but they're not medical. So a couple words might get lost in the translation and then it gets repeated, repeated, and then it gets out to the public. And so somewhere in there, um, some things that some important details may not make it. Um, some of the information may be lost a little bit. So we just have to keep all that in mind and understand that um, it's not always the most precise mm-hmm. and you have to, that, that's why I always say you got to temper everything, you know, with the context. Yes. It's like sixth hand information. You kind of have to right. wait a little bit longer to make sure we all have our facts straight. <laughs> yes. You have a super specialized role with ESPN. So what does your average workday or week look like? Well, it's funny. It depends on the time of year, right? During season my week is pretty structured because we have a podcast that we do Mm -hmm. daily Monday through Friday so you know we're in studio for the fantasy focus podcast in the morning 
On Sundays, we have a pregame fantasy show called Fantasy Football Now that airs from 10 to 1. And three hours on TV is a lot. A lot. Because you have to be up, 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 you know, and we're also getting news all the time because it's updates on um, players, injuries, obviously are a big deal. Who's going to play? Who's going to sit out? um, Who might be starting? What are the weather conditions? You know, all sorts of things. So um, the the schedule on Sunday is up very early. I'm usually up at five, um, gathering information from my sources and so forth, and then going into work, getting ready and, and getting on the air. And then we fly through three hours of TV, and then we go right to watch games. And we all watch games, although last year with COVID, there were only a few of us were in this room. But a lot of times there's a whole group of us who cover NFL, who watch the games together. You've got them all on all the TVs so that you can see what's going on everywhere. And then you feel like you get home and watch the night game and you got to turn around and go back to the podcast on Monday. So um, in the, the, and within that week, there are different days that are more important for me. Like when I have Sunday, when there's most of the games, it's when most of the injuries happen. Yeah. And then on Monday, the players are getting worked up and evaluated. And usually on Monday, Tuesday, information about player injuries is being released to you know the media outlets like so and so toward their ACL they're not coming back or so and so has a high ankle sprain and then we have to make sense of what that means going forward for the rest of the week when it's the off season normally I travel quite a bit Um, it's been slowed down because of COVID but as you know the football season is really year-round now so there Mm -hmm. are things that happen around it Uh, The combine is usually, I spend a week at the combine um, because all of the medicals and advanced the NFL draft happen now. They just had the medical visits, but it was just medical, no other component of the combine. There were only 150 players instead of the usual 300 plus, and we weren't there. So um, it's very different trying to get information and so forth this year, but you know, the NFL draft is coming up in a couple weeks. So there's always NFL things to be preparing for. However, I also do work in baseball. I was just recently covering a big baseball injury. I was talking about Tiger Woods when he was injured in a car accident, um, uh, you know, a month or so ago. So whatever kind of the big injury news is of the time and, and whatever sport it's landing on, I might be asked to cover it. Sometimes I'm not doing a report that you see on the air, but I might be helping some of our writers who are putting a story together. So you'll see me quoted in a, in a story that runs on ESPN because I'm working with our writers on what the medical information is relative to that player. And, and so um, it's all over the place. And then I also go to medical conferences and physical therapy conferences. Um, sometimes it's just to get my continuing education things that I'm doing. Sometimes I'm going there to speak. Um, but a lot of those things happen in the January to June range before we get into football. So um, I always liked the fact that when I got here, my schedule wasn't really the same any day. You know, some days I would go to work and think, oh, I'm going to have a really light day. And then lo and behold, there's a big injury. And all of a sudden my day just completely changes. Um, But I I, I like that about this job is that you just never really know what you're going to get. That's so cool. You do kind of a little bit of everything. Very busy, but it also seems like your job really keeps you on your toes and it's super exciting. It is. And it's, it's more, it, I really like getting out there and traveling because 
um, sometimes what I get to see and who I get to talk to, you know, I really miss going to NFL training camps last year because that is where you learn so much about mm-hmm. what's going on. You're talking to guys who are coming back from injury and you get to find out like how they're feeling and what they're doing and what they've been working on in the off season. And when we don't have that, it's a lot harder, you know? Yeah. So that was one of my questions. So you do work directly with the athletes um, when I can, you know, we, it's, um, it really depends on the situation. Sometimes we can talk to them directly and that's when, you know, you, you see that there's press conferences, every sport makes the athletes available to the media, mm-hmm. but in terms of what that availability looks like, um, it's highly variable and especially these days because of COVID. So yes. there've been a lot more restrictions and it, it's really made it harder for everyone to do their job because normally you'd have the, sometimes you can get almost like a, a hallway conversation effect, you know, yeah. and, and when we go to training camps, you know, players are coming off the field and there's usually a, a window of time when they're coming in from practice where media can chat with a couple players. And when all of that went away last year, it makes it a lot more difficult to, to really have that interaction, which is so important, I think, to the stories. Oh, I bet. I mean, the sports world is already so fast paced and with COVID kind of slowing things down, I bet you guys had to adapt and adjust just the way that you worked, which was pretty, pretty crazy. I bet. Yeah. And I think, you know, for everybody, it was a little bit different, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of zoom media calls is what's happening nowadays. (laughs) Yeah. Well, kind of speaking of something that you were working on in quarantine. So in May of last year, I watched the ESPN, the ESPN documentary project 11 that you led. And I seriously, I found it so fascinating and informative there. Some parts are like close my eyes because it was pretty graphic, but the amount of information I learned was crazy. And if you don't know, um, Stefania kind of guided the viewers through this story um, of Alex Smith's recovery because he had a pretty gruesome life-threatening injury. That was pretty crazy. And I loved just hearing the journey to how he became you know, the NFL's 2020 comeback player of the year and all that information. So I just, I'm eager to know what your experience was like being involved with Project 11, the Alex Smith story. Well, it really is probably one of the most amazing things I've ever been able to be a part of. And a lot of credit to Alex and his wife, his family for allowing us to be with them. We followed them for 15 months. Um, Dr. Robin West uh, was someone I knew professionally who also helped facilitate mm-hmm. us all meeting um, because Alex did want to document that journey. And I give him a lot of credit because he didn't know how it was going to turn out. You know, he really didn't. And when you saw it, it aired on May 1st, as you said, um, at that point, we didn't know that Alex would be able to come back and play football. You know, when, yeah. when we left off it for people who haven't seen it, um, we saw him playing with his kids and which was already, that was so amazing. You know, that was what he wanted to, as a father, that's what he wanted to be able to do the most, but he was just, you know, knocking down hurdles one after the other. And he had this real drive to see if he could make it back to football. And as anybody who follows football knows, he did make it back. He led his team to the division title and, and ultimately did way more than anybody ever thought would be possible. Um, the good news is that we are working on an updated version. It really? will be a 90 minute version now. And, uh, I've, I've been working on, um, recording tracks for it recently. Wow. And so, 
Uh, I can't tell you exactly when or mm-hmm. how it's going to appear, um, but I'm really excited that we are able to incorporate this updated um, piece now that Alex proved that he could come back to football. So um, watch for that. But, you know, yes. if anybody wants to see the original, it's still there on it's on uh, ESPN plus under E60 originals. You can find it there. Project 11 and, and, don't know um like i said exactly when the updated version will be coming out but it will be coming out so well i will be looking forward to that i know that i talked about the e60 kind of documentary on alex smith a couple episodes back and how much i loved it there are parts where i like i realized oh my gosh i'm holding my breath because it was just so intense so what was it like for you watching it back when it was all complete um, that is a really great question that you're asking. And I don't know if anybody has really asked me that. And that was, it was very emotional for me to watch it all together because we had hours and hours of footage and, you know, we were with them for so long and I got, I, I got to, you know, be a fly on the wall for so many really special moments for Alex. And as a PT, you can imagine um, I, I just felt like I was involved in it, even though I wasn't doing a thing to help with his rehab. I always felt like as a PT, I was just so curious about what his gains were going to be. And I got to know his PT really well. And, and, um, both his PT that he had in, in the Washington area. And then the PT who helped him down in San Antonio was actually a friend of mine before Alex ever went there. So, uh, it was, it was just great to see, I could see the progress but to see it put together, edited, you know, my producer and our editor, they, they were phenomenal and, and just had such a good sense of what the mood of everything should be. And because we had access to so much medically, which is very unusual, very unusual to get that kind of access, we really, um, we, what we were very proud of was that we didn't have to write a lot into the story that people tell you the story, the video tells Mm -hmm. you the story. You know, we didn't have to come and explain tons of things or uh, you didn't have to hear our voice as much. You could really hear the voice of the subjects, which is really the art of, of the best storytelling, right. Is getting, getting the people who lived it to tell it. And, and so um, even watching when I first was watching rough cuts, like, I would get chills at certain things. I, I mean, I couldn't get through without crying for mm-hmm. a few of them. And I thought, this is crazy. I know all this. I know what happens. <laughs> um, but it was still felt that way. And then I was very nervous the night that it aired because now you know the whole world's going to see it. you know. And so you know what you think. And you know how hard you work to get there. Mm-hmm. And all the little edits and all the tweaks and everything that take you right up. I mean, really, right up to the day that is going out to the public. Um, but the reaction from athletes and regular folks all Mm -hmm. over the country was, um, it was pretty special. And what was really important to me was, you know, Alex and Elizabeth, his wife, they saw it for the first time. The doctors saw it for the first time that night too. So you're always nervous because you're trying to do the best job to bring the true story Mm -hmm. forward, but you never know how it's going to be received. And they were really happy with it too. They felt like it represented the, their journey and, and that's what they had hoped for. So um, yeah, it was a very emotional. I think I was exhausted. I was almost, uh, 
you know, I was, I was tearful that night just because it was a combination of happy mm-hmm. and, you know, just all the different emotions of working on something like that for so long and, and seeing it, um, it come to fruition. Well, you all did an amazing job and it was so impactful and emotional watching. And I think I'm going to have to watch it back before <laughs> the second part. So I cannot wait for that. But I could talk with you for hours, but I'm sure you have other stuff to do. So I just want to close it off with one last question. And that is, what advice do you have for those aspiring to work in sports casting or or the physical therapy field? Well, you know, the same thing I tell everyone is just to follow your passion. I mean, that's what led me down this path. If you'd asked me, um, even when I was at Princeton, I was starting to get the idea of maybe I want to do physical therapy. If you told me I'd be doing this, now I would never have believed it. Um, But I just kept navigating towards where my passion was, which was uh, not only, you know, around sports medicine and athletes, but around sharing stories, which, and, and, and teaching and all of those things sort of combined. And now I'm getting to do that because I get a little bit of that through, you know, the injury reporting that I do, but I also get to share stories like with project 11 and the storytelling and, um, if I had listened to people who said, oh, no, you can't do that, or you don't have the background to do that, yeah. you haven't been trained. I didn't go to journalism school. I have much respect for everyone who did, um, but my path was a different one, and and maybe there will be a different path for people going forward, but it, what I do didn't exist Really, on not there's nobody else still who works full time for a network who does what I do. So um, sometimes I feel like I'm alone on an island, but um, yeah. I'm also really happy that I and proud that I got myself to that island, you know, by following uh-huh. my what I was interested in. So yeah. I, my main things would be don't get don't get discouraged just because somebody else doesn't see your path forward, and 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 follow what you're passionate about because. You, you want to do what you love. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be stuck doing things that you really don't enjoy. This is, sure. it's, it's your, your livelihood. It's your career. Follow the things that make you interesting. Well, Stefania, I'm mind blown with your story and your journey to where you are now. And I'm so grateful that we found the time to talk and you could share your story with my listeners. I know a lot of this will resonate with them and give them a look behind the curtains on what happens before they see everything on TV. So thank you so much for coming on. Do you mind just shouting out like your socials where people can find you? Oh, of course not. That's we do. <laughs> we're, we're, we're pros at doing that. on our, <laughs> um, And you can follow me on Twitter at Stefania underscore ESPN and on Instagram at Stefania Bell. Well, thank you again. And you will be one of my first um, guests for my second season. So I'm super excited <laughs> for that. And thank you to everyone listening. Well, thank you. Thank you. And congratulations on your podcast. You are a great interviewer. I hope you keep this up. Oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) Bye, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of On The Line. I upload new episodes every Sunday at 12. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, and follow On The Line on Instagram, and all those links will be in the show notes. Thank you.